Well, welcome. I'm Danielle Houston. I'm the host of the podcast, The Checkup, and The Checkup has been live on Zoom now for about the last 10 weeks as we've explored some different topics. This whole series has been Don't Stand So Close to Me, and the series has been all about different tools and ways that we can get back into the workplace safely while we keep employees and customers and vendors healthy. Um, obviously, that is a big part of our continued hope and success in moving forward is, you know, healthy, keeping everyone healthy. So welcome back. This is an encore presentation. I know there are a couple of you who have returned for this, and we have some new folks that are joining us today live. So we're going to go back through the great pieces of the symptom tracker tool. It's designed by Imba Medical. My guest today is Govind Jayaraman, and he is an expert in this space. And we can say that, I mean, partly because the space is, I mean, you're kind of making it up as we go along, right? You're creating and evolving. Things keep changing. So that's been one of the major themes of this conversation in particular. I think the timing is great. Last week, Marjorie Robertson, who's a compliance expert and an employment law attorney with Sun Life, joined us to talk about compliance. And I just could not help but think after hearing what legal experts are anticipating, what they're expecting truly is a new wave of lawsuits, whistleblower complaints around things like my employer isn't taking the necessary steps to keep me safe, or maybe a, a customer or an employee comes back and says, I, I got sick and I got sick at work. And that's just a little sampling. So any kind of process that we can put in place, any policies, having a great tool, that means we're treating everyone the same and asking the same information from everyone is going to be a really proactive and preventive approach to a safe workplace and help us to avoid some pitfalls. We know those requirements are going to change. If you're in Washington state, then you know that just yesterday our governor declared, proclaimed that everyone needs to wear masks indoors and not just if you're at work, but shopping, even if you're outdoors and you cannot safely socially distanced than even wearing a mask in parks and all of that. So flexibility and, you know, just kind of flowing with changes as they go is um, going to keep us all, I think, a lot more uh, happy and content as well as we, as we move ahead. So Govin, welcome back. And thank you so much for your, uh, your expertise and being willing to share that with our community. Danielle, it's a, an honor to be here with you. I'm excited to, to, to meet more of, uh, of, of your people uh, and, and, and happy to do it with you this time as opposed to uh, <laughs> as, as you were exiting last yeah. time. So, so this, is, this is great. Fantastic. Yes. Last time for people who are new this, this go around, my daughter called about a minute before we went live. She had been in a car accident and she needed me to come. So I, I swooped out of the Zoom at and uh, Govin jumped right in and let it expertly. So uh, I'm glad to be able to be here today too and, and hear it all live. I'm going to go ahead and uh, make you 
the, uh, the host because I know that you are going to have some slides to share. And if you'll keep an eye on that waiting room, then we'll be able to let other people in as, they, um, as they're able to join. So can we start, Govin, with just tell us about Tell us about Imba Medical and give us a little of the preview, how you guys were able to so quickly create a tool to deploy. Yeah, I mean, I think the beauty here, Danielle, is we didn't create a tool for COVID. Um, to Imba Medical is a workplace wellness uh, developer. So we've developed a workplace wellness uh, platform called Take Action and Take Action is used by small, medium, and large size organizations alike to implement a, a sort of a, a, a behavior coaching system for their employees. We really focused on diabetes prevention as being a, a big uh, value proposition. So we're a leader in diabetes prevention uh, programming in the US. Uh, and, and actually this is international in the sense that in Canada, we have been able to gain the endorsement of Diabetes Canada, which is the same thing as ADA, to bring a cross-Canada application of diabetes prevention as well. So uh, we are, so Take Action is a wellness platform uh, in, in good times. And we have never lived through anything quite like this before. Uh, and on March 13th, when governments and leaders around the world were saying, hey, we gotta clamp this down, uh, March 15th, we launched our first version of a COVID-19 symptom support and screening module. So we've been in this for more than 100 days now. Uh, and and it, was, it was a surprise to us that in good times, we're a really valuable uh, employee wellness uh, um, platform that, that's really designed to support chronic disease prevention and management, uh, like diabetes prevention. But in an emergency time, we could pivot it that quickly and ingest a workflow to support uh, diabetes prevention. So that's really how we got into that world. That's how we got into COVID-19 so quickly. How our platform works broadly is there's no app. And that, that's pretty uh, mind-blowing when you think about how much we can deliver. So there's no application, nothing for people to install, no software for either administrators or for, uh, for any, any uh, users, so the users themselves, the employees, or the administrators, nothing to install. Uh, the, the platform nudges people, nudges our word for sending emails or texts to people on a daily or otherwise basis based on the workflow to check in with them on how they're doing against their behavior change that they're trying to make and coaches them along the way. So think about it in COVID. In, in a COVID world, it's really well designed for this. Instantaneously, we can deploy to thousands of people uh, a safety questionnaire that they fill out on a daily basis uh, on any device without installation of anything. And we know that with behavior change, having to go and install something and having to figure out permissions and whether or not it's going to work with my phone or your phone or somebody else's phone in this place or that place, that's a barrier to entry. So we remove all those barriers to entry. We nudge people with a very simple ability to be able to engage in a questionnaire, respond in a device agnostic, technology agnostic way. It doesn't have to be on a phone. It could be on a computer. It could be on a tablet. And, and then after responding, they receive an instant clear or not clear message 
the, the responses are aggregated based on a dashboard that could be delivered to supervisors and the supervisors could say what time that was going to be at. You could, if you had multiple locations, it could be at multiple times and they get a clearer, clear, not clearer dashboard to say who's available and who's not. Um, and we use all the fun stuff that we do in behavior change to also pattern it for COVID-19, to educate people, to keep people engaged, to gamify it a little bit so it's, it doesn't feel tedious as well. Right. So would now be a good time for you to show us some screenshots of what that would look like if you are the employee or maybe you're the customer, because I do think there will be scenarios, you know, when I think about my own experience, my first thing that I was really excited to do was schedule a massage and guess what I got in the email about two days beforehand. It was an emailed questionnaire, but I thought, you know, it felt a little clunky and it wasn't the day of asking me my symptoms either, but I realized there are going to be more places than work that start asking us these questions. And I'd, I'd love to see it. And I'm sure there are folks that are, um, that are watching too, that would love to see it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So Danielle, I mean, before we jump right in, you're absolutely right. There are different groups that we need to interact with differently. And it's one thing, um, it's one thing, and we know that standing out front with a thermometer or scanning people's foreheads is really ineffective. You know, it, it doesn't, doesn't give us the full picture. We don't know if at home they have somebody who's COVID positive. They don't know that on the way in, they didn't go to a place as part of their regular course of work and, 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 and engage with somebody who's COVID positive and they know is COVID positive. So we don't know anything about their behaviors or actions. And there's no real awareness around it. There's no clear understanding of it. So, so that's something to keep in mind. And we'll talk about as we go through today, uh, those various, let's call them use cases, various environments where different groups, different cohorts would need to be measured in different ways. Employees, subcontractors on a job site, for example, if you think about people coming in, vendors who might attend a place of business uh, occasionally, but not every day, it's not enough to check them at the door it's not enough to check your clients at the door, but maybe for some time period before they come to the door. So you know that they're clear when they come through. Um, so as part of the demo, we're just gonna talk about what does it mean to welcome people and to take action? What COVID-19 tracking and symptom monitoring can look like? How those nudges get delivered by email or text? Uh, what microlearning is? So microlearning is this catch-all phrase we give for a nudge that delivers, let's call it, you know, bulletins, information, resources for uh, that you might want to educate your customers. For example, if you're a spa customer, you might want to educate your customers as to what they can expect and what they can't expect. What's different and what's the same about their experience. If you have a school, that might be different for students and might be different from guest lecturers or speakers as the case may be. It might be different for, for permanent employees or office employees, for example. And then reporting different types of dashboards, different types of reporting environments for different environments. Uh, so we'll just run through those sample screens uh, quickly here. Right. So to give you an example, everybody when welcomed into Take Action gets a, a device agnostic message. And this is just a sample message and it's a small message. So it's, the text is customizable along with a welcome video. This message really serves two purposes. 
if uh, an employer in, gives us a list of, let's say, 1,000 or 150 or any number of, uh, of employees' names and, and email addresses or cell phone numbers, this first message is sent out to validate that that information is correct. So before you get into the actual scanning and screening, you know that there's a problem and an error to solve. So they get a welcome message that says, this is what to expect on a daily and weekly basis, what they will get. And then also after this, the administrator or system administrator gets a thumbs up, an all clear message saying, everybody has uh, all the messages, all the email addresses, all the contact information is correct. We're ready to go. The second thing that happens is people get what we call a progress nudge. The progress nudge just looks like this. And it doesn't matter whether this is an email example, but it's, it's personalized. So it goes to every person individually. And uh, there's a link. And that link just opens up a device agnostic window that can look like this. There can have four to five questions. The questions are all customizable. So we have standard protocol questions that are part of every uh, or suggested part of everything, which is, uh, is, is it, um, and th these questions are, 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 uh, are customized to include, uh, are you prepared to care for other people? Are you, are you mentally able to do your job? In this particular case, that was an important one. But are you showing any symptoms of, uh, of COVID-19? They can be specific and ask each of those questions individually, or they can be rolled up. You can ask them to log their temperature, as opposed to just saying, do you have a fever? You can say, take your temperature. What is it? Uh, you can monitor patient symptoms or your own symptoms. Upon submission, they instantly get a clear or not clear message based on the rules set up for that. You can have information gathering questions in addition to the clearing questions. So for example, if people are able to telecommute, you can ask the question, are you telecommuting today, right? So you can get load ideas and understandings around how many people are actually coming in to work on that particular day, what your load might look like. Finally, um, there's something we call interventional coaching. Interventional coaching can occur, and these are just, again, sample messages, but interventional coaching can occur, for example, if people are not responding. They get a text message that says, hey, is everything okay? You're not responding. Please look for this email and make sure you engage with it. Uh, if, you do, if you need help with it, type the word help. They can program, get program help, but if they are ill or otherwise need coaching assistance, they can put their hand up and receive that as well, all via text message. So these interventional nudges are designed to get people re-engaged if they're not engaged properly within the platform. Again, all behavioral health related. So quick question around this, Govin, because I think when we talk about customizing questions, it's important to keep in mind that based on, at least here in the States, based on the state you are in, maybe even your county or city, you may need some legal review of the questions that you want to ask to make sure they pass all of those appropriate steps. And, you know, obviously that's something that we can help with um, to a certain extent. The second piece to my, I guess what is truly the question is, let's say something changes 30 or 60 days in at some point and now there's a new requirement how quickly can your team change the questions to move with the direction that things may have shifted toward real time yeah so if, if things change today then the, the implementation could be on the next reporting cycle so that could be tomorrow we, we like to say 24 to 48 hours but in general, that's, that's a real-time occurrence. 
Let's also make sure that you understand that within the different cohorts that could be involved, employees, clients, suppliers, as the case may be, there may be differing rules. There may be different things that need to be clear to different people. There may be information that changes for how you're going to handle with clients. I mean, Danielle, you talked about the spa. Uh, overnight, the rules have changed in Washington State, for example, around indoor spaces. So if you operated an or, a company that didn't require masks yesterday, you could not only provide a bulletin to all of your employees and clients that indicated that this was a change, but our platform is also understanding whether or not somebody has opened that email or not. So we're logging whether or not somebody is engaged with that email, when did they engage with that email, uh, where, you know, by what device did they use when they engaged with that email, so that that information is logged, right? Like, an, like a signing certificate almost, that that person has seen that information. You can also include an additional question, for example, that says, we, you know, do you, do you confirm that you understand that as of tomorrow, you will need to wear a mask at all times when attending uh, this office, for example? Okay. As That's the load great. requirements change as well, it's important to think about some places have 50% load requirements, uh, estimations, and, and, and physical distancing requirements are also changing. People are talking about how uh, in certain areas, it's, it, it could be three feet as opposed to six feet understanding and acknowledging those differences is also going to be important. Okay. Now, can you clarify to some, a couple of questions that I received ahead of this meeting, can you clarify, can you ask different questions of different groups of people? So if you have, you know, employees that maybe fall into having different job responsibilities. Can we ask them different questions, but maybe also have their results go to different individuals at the same time? Absolutely. So let's, let's make it like a sort of a simple example where you have a group of employees and a group of clients. But even if you have different employees in different locations, think of it this way, that each group of employees could be asked their own set of questions and each uh, department or location supervisor or safety manager would be able to see a dashboard in that particular location. Also think about it from a welcome desk point of view that if, if people are being cleared as they come in, instead of taking the time and onerous task of asking a dozen or a hundred people, let's say at the doorway, the same questions. And we know that as, as someone does that, they may not ask those questions with the same thoroughness and completeness every single time. It may not be completed with the same, uh, same passion uh, uh, the hundredth time as it is on the first time of that day. So with that in mind, those screening questions can be done in advance and it also can be done on a series of days in advance and a simple clear, not clear message be put up in front so that, that when someone's checking somebody in, they can say, hey, you know, Govin is not clear to come into the work today because either they didn't uh, properly log in time. I didn't, I didn't respond or I responded in a manner that would make me not clear. Okay. Right? So different groups can get different things. Different groups can get different questions, different, uh, different questions, different groups can be reported to different people all within the same organization. Okay. And I think it's important to just, you know, include a comment at this point too, that we know for, you know, and for anyone who has heard some of the compliance conversations or last week, the presentation with Marjorie, 
if your plan is to be asking people those questions at an entrance and to be taking a more manual approach, you have to do it in a way that's completely private where no one else can hear and be able to protect those responses too. So, you know, a, a process that would be incredibly manual is going to come with some real potential issues. Yeah, so, so this is where, um, if you really think about our evolution, Danielle, that we started off, and, and we, we still are, by and large, a wellness platform, right? I mean, that's where, that's our, that's our focus. Um, it's not an app, so we're not invading anybody's privacy. We're not scraping additional information. It's highly transactional. You're only interacting for the purposes of this particular message or this particular response. That's it. Uh, it's completely HIPAA compliant. Uh, we're protecting PHIPAA, private health information as well. Uh, we can also promote within the context of the employer auto deletion of information as, as jurisdictions declare of the emergency over and that you are no longer able to have this information. The personal identifying information can all be deleted um, because you never really had it in your possession to begin with. It's easy to uh, remove it. So, and, and because the transaction is a one-on-one level, meaning, uh, or one-on-none, one-on-digital level, all of people, any person's particular answers to each of the questions involved are completely private, right? Only for that person and only for the purposes of access and safety. So all of that information is properly held in custody all the way through. And that's, that's a really important consideration. Now, think about it. If you were if you were going to if you were going to do that manually, Danielle, the amount of time that it would take to do that is quite onerous because you have one person um, asking the question, another person, you know, obviously responding. Both people's times would count. If you have to go and escort that person to a private place, uh, that's also time. You know, we're talking about this interaction being several minutes in length potentially. If you have two people per day. Uh, and, and, and you have 100 employees or 150 employees and you have to do this every single day, that's, that's 150 minutes times two or three, depending upon how much time it takes. It's a lot of time that, that is being used. I mean, hours of work time being used on tracking and, and then, of course, dashboarding and record keeping, um, which, which can be very, very costly. So I think that's a good segue into talking about return on investment. I know you and Eric Slaba talked about return on investment in the original presentation. Um, Eric is a business owner here in Snohomish County, Washington State, and has been an early adopter of your tool and, you know, offered really great insight and, you know, a sort of recommendation on the tool as well, but that was one of the big factors for him in thinking about, you know, which person am I going to be paying to essentially put out to do these screening tests every day and then collect the answers. It pretty quickly turns into the kind of exercise where you realize that, you know, you either, you're either paying a full-time employee to spend a large chunk of time doing that or pay for a tool or a program to help you and, and do so at a much lower cost. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, when Eric, um, he was an early adopter, which is a good thing because he managed to, you know, protect his workforce early. He, they are an emergency business. They never shut down. 
all of those things are, 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 are important considerations. But when he joined, the cost was, um, it, you know, to, to where we are now uh, is, is we are now 60% uh, less expensive than we were then. Uh, so our cost has come down. We've built some additional efficiencies into the platform and we've passed those savings along. So let, let, let's, I, I think you were segueing to the ROI calculation, yes. which might be um, a, an, interesting, an interesting place to go. Uh, let me share that with you now. So if you, if you consider, um, uh, uh, let's say just for the sake of argument, you had 150 employees and, and, and that's all you were screening. You had no employee, uh, no, uh, customers or suppliers or contractors or subs coming in on a daily basis. We'll get to that in a second, but let's say you had nobody coming in and, and let's say you were super efficient and you did this manually, but you were doing it super efficiently. And we talked about this, that really one minute is equal to two. And if someone's coming in and you're going to protect privacy in the way uh, that the legal experts suggest um, and, and forgetting the communication time that, that's required for education or any of those other things, leaving all those things aside, if you were to take those things, just say it's two minutes per person. And let's say uh, you're, you were using very, a, a very low level of cost, let's say $16, which is probably way too low. Um, it, let's put it at $20 to make it more reasonable because it's the two okay. people in average in aggregate. And if we were thinking about just the time, meaning two minutes per person times 150 times the number of work days in a month, that means that you're spending passively $3,000 a month in your screening costs. Okay. At, at, a, at a size of 150, uh, take action would be $2 per user per month. Okay, uh, that's it. Two two dollars per user per month. In in that case, it would be uh, 150 times two, 300 dollars uh, per month uh, for for take action, and the savings annualized would be thirty two thousand dollars. It, it's uh -huh. it's essentially just a no a no brainer. You you should not be spending manual time on this. This is exorbitantly expensive to your organization. The organizations have been through the ringer. I mean, we, we know what unemployment is happening. We know the PPPs, we know organizations are under stress. Right now, if you have 150 employees, you're probably leaving $30,000 on the table right now. And, that's and I think, you know, and, and that's not even really covering the vulnerabilities that are created by a manual process too. You know, I would, I would, include this in the category of, you know, for the same reason that, you know, I always recommend that employers hire a COBRA administrator or, you know, a leave administrator, something like that. So, you know, protected information, really private information can't accidentally be uh, compromised in some way and, and lead to an issue for an employer. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a significant thing to keep in mind yeah. along the way. Um, and, and the, you know, the bigger the organization, the obviously the bigger the savings along the way, but, but this, this ROI uh, calculator is, is just a really, uh, we find very useful tool to bring context to what's really happening in our organization and, and, and to really deal with that, challenge of productivity that we have right now with all these additional measures. Again, not, not to even begin to count all of the time, energy, and resources that goes into 
what are we doing about masks? What are we doing about educating people about the proper use and disposal of, 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 of gloves should we need them within the workplace? Uh, what is the correct hand washing protocol? This micro learning, the, the micro learning messages that need to be deployed to employees when you have hundreds of people coming to work or engaging within a variety of different locations and making sure that information is clearly um, documented and delivered to a, a broad group is essential. Uh, and, and the fact that micro learning can be part of the videos that we deliver through the platform is really significant. And we have a, a stock, a, a large stock of these kinds of things, but they can also be customized. So each organization can have their own pieces of information. So when we talk about customization too, one of the things I think about is it would be really powerful to be able to include if, if someone reports back that they have a fever or that they are not feeling well, can they then receive a message that says something like, you know, we encourage you to call your physician and or here is a link or the contact information for our virtual health provider so that an employee could connect and call a virtual in for a virtual appointment. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a really great point, Danielle. Our platform is a coaching platform uh, first and foremost. So, so when you, when you consider the kinds of coaching messages that can be delivered, um, to a particular uh, to a particular person, they can look like, "Hey, you're, it looks like your symptoms have gotten worse. Uh, please call your doctor." The information can be provided right there. Uh, but all of those messages, again, can be configured based on the location and the particular employer and the benefits program that may be in question. But but beyond that, they can immediately go into the COVID nineteen symptom support side, which is instead of just monitoring, but receive support on what kinds of things they need to keep in mind to be able to A, treat themselves, make sure that they're receiving proper treatment, but also in addition to receiving that proper treatment, what is the protocol within your workplace for being cleared to return back to work? Also very important. Okay. So we've talked about the question customizations and the customizations that can happen afterward based on answers. How easily is an employee roster to adjust with new hires and terminations? Yeah, uh, great question. We keep it really simple. Uh, our process is to use a flat file. So a flat file, meaning a comma separated value, CSV file is the common frame, but any kind of data dump at all works with us. We just need the first name, last name, an email address, corporate email address of the particular person in question, the employee in question. Um, but the data can be uh, updated almost on a daily basis. So if you're thinking about customer lists or clients that might be attending, if uh, schools, for example, might be thinking about students that would be attending, they could be attending within various cohorts or groups, for example, all of those kinds of considerations could be uh, configured within the platform. And, you know, Danielle, in the, in the course of our conversation, we've said customization and, and IT people, we'll hear the word customization and say, oh, well, there's coding involved. Right. The more appropriate term uh, really is configuration because our platform is already designed to deal with different groups, to deal with different groups that have different coaching and different supervisor links, different layers of dashboarding. So executives could have a, a broad view of the entire organization and the organizational health and reporting where 
district or department supervisors can see a drill down view as to what's going on in their particular group. Uh, customers could be treated differently. Subcontractors could be treated differently. All of those kinds of things. Okay. Are those the kinds of changes when we're talking about at the employee level or maybe when you know the next day you're going to have 50 customers, is that a change that can happen at the group level? And I like to relate things obviously to how we administer benefits, but uh, this is a little, this is a little different, but I think when HR people hear this or you have someone in operations, they're thinking, you know, can I just go into a system and input some names and change some data easily? Or do they need to send that off to someone at your team? No, there's an interface. There's a, there's a, there's a screen where you can create a new group. You can upload another list. You can uh, modify, add, delete information at will. Um, you can also prompt and nudge your users on a regular basis to reconfirm their, their communication preference. Would they like to receive it via the corporate email address or would they like to receive it on their personal cell phone? Would they like to receive it on their company cell phone? Whatever, whatever it is, they can choose that configuration within their user profile. So that's a user level customization and configuration, but also the, the, the HR manager or other uh, organizational administrator has full ability to be able to go in and configure their group the way they need to. Okay. I invite people to drop your questions in chat. Um, certainly we'll, you know, we can tackle things as we move through the rest of our time together today. Um, and I think that I had addressed most of the questions that came in initially, but maybe to clarify one in particular, because I, I think we've already touched on it, but just to be certain, there was the question of, you know, can results go to different people in different teams? And the answer is yes, because initially when we would set up that tool, it would be set up in groups or divisions of sorts. And then each division is assigned the contact names. Is that the, the easiest way to maybe describe that? Absolutely. And, okay. and also we can even say that different people not only can get different groups, right? So this group can go to person one, this group can go to person two, this group can go to person three. But in addition to that, different elements of those groups, meaning different types of visualizations of that data can go to different people. So there could be uh, a detail view that goes to person one, person two, person three for each of their specific areas of responsibility or departments or divisions or whatever that happens to look like. But in addition to that, there can be an executive layer of oversight that has more uh, a, a summary view of what is happening organization-wide. And that, that can be compelling because that way you can see, I mean, what's, what's the trend? What's my reporting rate? How come this group is doing better than this group? What's going on in these different divisions? What, what, kind, of, what kind of traction are we getting? What kind of adherence are we getting to the actual program? And that's something that you guys, and you guys being in the medical, get into with your guide. You put together a really great guide that's eight steps on, eight, eight steps in implementing and working with employees. Communication was something that you stressed. Um, Eric Slaybaugh really stressed that as well. Just saying that communicating with employees often and regularly really helped for a smooth 
implementation, but also a process where they weren't getting pushback from employees or a lot of discontent from people. Um, but you also talk about why it's important to track all employees. These trends are part of it, but there were also a couple of other elements. Can you just speak to that? Yeah, so I'll, t I'll tell you a story, which I think is a really interesting one. It'll speak to the, the issue of why you track everybody all the time, whether or not they're actually attending, um, physically attending the office. Uh, th this, this story comes from a friend of mine who, who is a vice chairman of a very large organization. So senior executive, and every day uh, he was required to anecdotally report. So uh, there would be an email that would go out, and, and he would report anecdotally whether or not he was feeling well or not, right? And, and he decided to have some fun with it and, and he responded in song titles. Every single time, every single day, he responded with another song title, say, uh, you know, it was James Brown, I feel good. And it was something else. It was always something, a, a song title that said that he felt good. Well, here's the nuance. About three weeks in or four weeks in, he went back and thought about it and said, well, you know, my spouse, my wife was kind of sick and like really sick a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, and she kind of stayed sick for a little while, but I never said anything back then. And maybe I should have, but I'm not going to go back and unsay it now. So, you know, never mind, carry on. And, and this is coming from a senior executive of a large organization where he got it wrong. And he was being asked every day in an anecdotal way. So asking precise questions about specific issues as it relates to COVID-19 safety on a daily basis and requiring the answers is that next level of fiduciary responsibility that we need to take. Uh, and asking those questions is, is certainly important because if things were different and if he were going to be able to have attended work, for example, so, so think about it. In his particular case, he never went into work. But if he were going to work and he had attend, said that he was, he was fine, uh, uh, let's say a week ago, and then showed up a week later and wasn't, he would have been infected and might have been in the gestation period. He could have infected a, 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 you know, another dozen or everybody else that he came into close contact with and worked with over that period of time. So that's why it's really important, whether or not people are attending, if they're your employees, to be scanning and screening them, monitoring their symptom status, making sure they're answering the safety questionnaire on a daily basis. And those information, that information is logged so that you don't get caught in a trap of information limbo. Um, right. and, and honest error. It, it's not because he's a bad person that he didn't bring it up. It's not because he's unknowledgeable that he didn't bring it up. It just didn't seem relevant at the time. The question wasn't asked. I think we're all kind of guilty, like, well, the question wasn't quite framed that way. So maybe a good consideration for questions, too, if anyone in your home is ill or not feeling well. The other thing that your guide recommended that I thought was really interesting and, and might fall off the radar of some employers is having a weekly department meeting. And it didn't have to be, you know, a meeting that takes up an hour, but a meeting that's really designed to keep people communicating and connected, especially as it relates to the symptom tracking. Um, anything 
that you would like to contribute around that thought? Yeah, it's so important to huddle on a weekly basis. You know, I mean, some organizations do it on a daily basis, and that's even the better if you can do that. But really important to ask three three major questions, right? Uh, thinking back about the last week, everybody comes to the meeting understanding what worked. You know, what worked in the last week? What what do we catch? What do we do really well? Let's celebrate those wins. What didn't work? What do we need to learn, solve, and adjust as we think about the week coming up? And 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 then. Uh, sort of what are the roadblocks that we see in the time ahead? What are the problems to solve before we reach them? Asking these three questions, very simple questions, but asking them in a roundtable format on a weekly basis, asking people to think mindfully about responding to them and interacting and engaging on it, and, and also doing it every week, not missing it every week, those, those ingredients are really important to create a, uh, create a connected environment where you're really understanding what's happening. And, you know, a lot of people say this, in an emergency situation, perfection is the enemy of done. People like to get things perfect, but there's no such thing as perfect. We don't know today. Uh, I mean, we didn't know three months ago what we know today. Uh, right. our, our symptom monitoring was, was darn good on March 15th, but today it's way better. And it's way better because we did it for 100 plus days uh, coming up to this point. It, we would not have leveled this, uh, reached this level of iteration had it not been for that evolution, for that opportunity. So, so I recommend to anybody that, that definitely grab the guide. Uh, you can get it from our website, target.takeaction.xyz. And, and once you grab the guide, the checklist and the other resources there, you'll see that you can implement these things relatively easily and quickly. And there's a lot of value to that. Great. I think that, um, you know, that that guide and those questions specific to COVID and our response is a really powerful way to be able to connect different perspectives to and to be able to hear from different areas what kinds of feedback or questions or concerns you have from employees. That was a comment that came from Marjorie Robertson last week too of being really sure that you're keeping that open door policy and actually making it simple and easy to hear complaints from people, which could be, you know, a great ounce of prevention in preventing, you know, someone who's disgruntled, someone who feel it, feels like they haven't been heard or taken seriously. So having those opportunities to share uh, could be much more meaningful maybe than what we anticipate today. Yeah, and fast is better than perfect in an emergency situation. You know, fast is important. If, if someone is, is and, and, and thinking about an accident, uh, if someone is, is bleeding profusely, it is better to imperfectly patch them up than to try to get the proper perfect medication or the proper wrapper. Uh, Jimmy, you, you're right. Done is better than perfect. Facebook says it. Uh, a lot of people say it. So that is the right way to think about it. Get it done and then make it better. We have a philosophy. Uh, we, before COVID, we used to say make it bad and make it better, but maybe bad in healthcare doesn't go well or bad and in, in infection doesn't go well. So we say make it and make it better. We drop the bad, but just make it, make it better. Uh, it's super important. We might be solving some big life questions here with, uh, with these philosophies. I think we could apply these in a few different areas. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think there are a couple of things that I can easily send out to everyone who attended today. The guide is one of them. 
a link to your ROI calculator as well, I think would be great for, for people. Um, I want to ask again and make sure, do we have any other questions coming in from folks? You are equipped to tackle all sorts of things related to IT or other implementation. Um, and I guess on the implementation too, a really good point is you're not charging implementation fees. No, no, and no, we've waived all the setup integration charges. And I want to really make this, uh, you know, this is a really important part. We're doing this because we want to help. I mean, the, the cost, uh, depending upon the size of the organization. So if you have under 100 employees, we're talking about $3 per employee per month. Um, from 100 employees to about uh, $2.99 is $2.50, $2.50 per employee per month. And above 300 to 500 employees is, is $2 per employee per month. Um, I think I think you have a, a, a coupon, a discount coupon that you're going to give everybody 20% off of those rates as well. For any any participants in this in this webinar, we'll get that from Danielle. So that's that's uh, on top of all those those rates, um, and those costs are now 60% what they were when we launched. So we've been bringing those prices down. We're, we're committed to trying to help people get open and stay open. That's that's what we want. Uh, organizations with less than 10 employees we'll get to use our platform completely for free. Uh, we want to help those who need it. Uh, and that's really important. And I definitely appreciate um, that. I think it's a, you know, part of what I've worked to do even with this series is bring people together who may not otherwise have paths that cross, but we are all trying to figure out where do we go from here and doing it together is certainly much easier and solving problems this way too, I think is, is much, much easier when people can bring that together. Um, one of the questions here, um, okay, can you maybe just refresh a little bit, Govin, around uh, change management during the implementation? Yeah, so that's a question I think uh, from Jimmy. Uh, so, yeah. so we talked about this a little bit. That the, the, the questions uh, that are that are delivered and the bulletins, the information, the micro learning that is delivered as part of the platform, can be reconfigured and changed at any time, uh, almost on a real time basis. So, if the the questions were changed today, they could actually be delivered today. If they're if if your reporting cycle had not yet occurred, so it can be done in two ways. Um, one way is that the the, the changes could be delivered to us um, uh, and we would implement those changes. Again, we're, we're not charging anything for support. We're not changing anything for, for changes uh, uh, throughout the life of, of the COVID-19 environment. So, so no cost for this. You can send it to us and we'll do it, or you could do it real time. Uh, administrators, facility administrators, organizational administrators have access to the platform to be able to make those changes to, to the questions that are being asked to the various cohorts, uh, the configuration of the cohorts themselves can be modified and everything is modifiable in real time, including the workflow themselves. So what time people report, when they report, how they report, all those kinds of things. So everything is very flexible. Changing, making and implementing those changes is as simple, uh, uh, it, like it's clicks of a mouse. It's very, very easy. We provide uh, a training process for, for people who are onboarding. Uh, it is, it's a, it's a webinar based training. It, it most people uh, understand everything that's required of it within an hour. Um, so it's very easy. Um, 
so, so cultural change management to ensure speed of adoption. Our program was initially uh, built as a wellness coaching platform. So our, our evolution into COVID-19 was from health and wellness platforms. So we truly understand behavior change and modifying, uh, modifying the messaging and also intervening at different levels. So if, if a certain type of message isn't working, is there an intervention that can be layered on top of that that creates transparency, accountability, and real time to be able to motivate the action? And those interventions are, are sort of trickle up, meaning that you don't have a huge intervention to the first occurrence. It's a minor intervention the first time, and then a supportive intervention the second time. All of those behavior changes were built around chronic disease prevention and management and applied to COVID. So all the algorithms, the machine learning, the AI that we built around you know, chronic disease prevention and management, uh, diabetes prevention is being applied uh, on a COVID-19 level. Now, can we apply all of those kinds of things in as robust a way? No, because the evidence isn't as big. So we're, we're doing the, 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 the algorithm runs and makes modifications on the way. So absolutely, and, 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 and to the point that different people respond to different things. Over time, the platform even learns, is this person a list crusher? Is this person uh, a societal acceptance person? What, do they like, do they thrive the praise of others? Um, do they want social recognition? All of those types of gamification and personalization are part of the platform. So it builds a persona around each person and what they like to respond to. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions before we wrap our, uh, our lunch hour here? Okay, I'm not seeing anything here. I appreciate the questions that came ahead of time as well. It gave us some opportunity to just be well-prepared. Watch for a follow-up from me that includes those items that Govin referred to. And certainly feel free to connect with Govin directly or with me if you have questions. Um, you know, there are many ways that this kind of tool really does start to connect in your health plan and your virtual healthcare vendors, as well as, you know, maybe you do need to run some of these questions by an attorney who can give you thumbs up, thumbs down and, and make changes before implementing. Those are all resources I'm more than happy to share with all of you. And I would just continue to encourage you and thank you for all working together to be part of the solution and coming together to work toward, you know, what is going to work best for us. So much easier to do it together. Uh, you can follow the checkup on YouTube. You can also follow it on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you for being part of my week. Take good care. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks.